Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This is a podcast from The Bugle. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single piece of news in possession of a good story must be in want of a satire. This is the gargle, the fan-fluttering, cravat-tugging invitation to waltz without your mother's permission every single week. Allow me the honour to introduce you to the company assembled. This is the gargle, where single ladies without chaperones, where news without the politics, where the glossy magazine to the Bugle's audio newspaper for a visual world. This is the gargle. In this week's edition, guest editors are James Colley. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back. And uh, Alison Spittle. Pew, 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 pew. Uh, I just need some sound effects for you. I'm good. That's what that means. The emojis of the mouth, really, is what I always say when you make those yeah. sound effects. Absolutely. When I'm really having a good time, like, ha, 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 uh, which is like a bigger <laughs> one. And also a French person laughing. <laughs> On the front cover of this week's edition is Kabosu, the ageing Shiba Inu on whose meme Dogecoin evolved in a rocket with a headline that reads, On the internet, no one knows you're a Dogecoin billionaire. And the subheading, To the Moon! Other titles on today's front cover include Gwyneth Paltrow, What Has She Done Now? and Elon Musk on Saturday Night Live, We Watched It So You Don't Have To. Subheading, billionaires like the self-driving cars they program should know how to stick to their own lane. The satirical cartoon this week is of Gwyneth Paltrow eating a loaf of bread with crosses for eyes and a tag that says bread and weeping while a small child in a dress with a tag that says apple sits on the plate. (laughs) The speech bubble says, you're next. I get that. And then I felt guilty for knowing how many kids of of rock stars' names I know. Like, I was like, you know, I need to stop remembering. I bet there were a bunch of, like, like MTV punk shows that were really annoyed that Goop was taken. It's such a dissonant sounding name for what it produces. Oh, what do you want? Health products? Oh, have some Goop. It is also the least sexy thing that sounds like it has to do with sex. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes, like like a UTI or whatever, you know, like yeah. it's wrong to say. Oh, he's got the goop. It's like if someone had a kink which was bad dirty talk, like <laughs> unsexy dirty talk. I feel like goop would come out of that brainstorming session. <laughs> Is that like dirty talk edging where you just, you'll say something and then put in a weird word to like put them off slightly? 
the fact that I think that a, that a brainstorming session comes before foreplay is probably indicative of some deep issues. Yeah, no, that's what the B in BDSM stands for. You brainstorm and then you get to all the rest. I want a mind map. <laughs> that's the M. There's got to be a D in this then that's like a... <laughs> Unfortunately, it is dick. I'm sorry, but at some point, you have to get down to the central function of what we're doing. Brainstorm dick, mind map. <laughs> Brainstorm dick, submission deadline. That's it. There we go. Mind map. Well, look at that. That was a very successful brainstorming session. Our section number one in this week's edition is an animals section, uh, which is pretty exciting. A marine worm, which has 100 butts that each can grow eyes and a brain, exists. That's the first sentence of this section. Mm -hmm. James Colley, you're our science correspondent. Uh, Please explain this story. I'm your many butt correspondent. Well, um, (laughs) this story ran under the headline, Meet the Marine Worm with 100 Butts That Can Each Grow Eyes and a Brain, to which I say, no, I do not want to meet, frankly, any worm. Go and meet a remarkable worm is still not a great offer for me. So if you say I have a Lovecraftian horror worm, I particularly don't wish to meet it. But apparently <laughs> these worms, when uh, when they're ready to reproduce, their butts grow an eye and a brain. And if I'm honest, there have been many nights in my past where I was, shall we say, ready to reproduce, where I wish I could have grown a second brain just to double check that decision. But be that as it may, that second brain should absolutely not be put in the hands of my butt. Though if my last week of terrible eating has taught me anything, it's that the butt bears the consequences for the fleeting thoughts of the brain. So maybe it is appropriate. But part of me wonders when I was reading this, part of me was wondering, like, if you are in the time of a pandemic of great inequality of a world on a tipping point and you are a scientist and you are handed the map to the universe, are you embarrassed when you have to reveal that you have discovered the many butted worm? (laughs) Like if you are in the green room for the Nobel Prize nomination ceremony and the people at CERN who are pulling apart the fabric of the universe ask you, what do you do? Do you just lie and say, oh, I, I did the COVID vaccine. That was my work. A worm with many butts, right, is much better than a butt with many worms. And I think that sounds like an old proverb. <laughs> like, it's just... And I want to go into more detail on the butts, if that's okay with you guys. Please. I mean, yes, please. <laughs> so, in this article, Consent right? is important when we're talking about butt stuff. Definitely. But I'm glad that you sorted and received it. Definitely. Don't, don't just go in and hope for the best and then go, oh, I didn't know you didn't want to talk about butt stuff. It was on the table, but you know, like... Manny, <laughs> I've been on the wrong end of Manny of that time with people. Each one of these uh, worm butts contain a ring of serotonin releasing nerve endings, right? Which someone tried to tell me that about my own butt once. Um, but I had quite a heavy meal before, so I declined. Like I wasn't willing to explore that. Um, also... <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, this glossy magazine is going to have a sealed section if we're not careful. <laughs> especially especially when I do the gargle. I feel like I always bring the gargle down and I feel so I mean, like... do. <laughs> I'm not going to argue. This is the backwash this week. <laughs> I, I, it's because I was brought up a Catholic and now I'm an adult and I can say what I like. And I'm like, <laughs> but. Um, but apparently like... Uh, 
uh, oh yeah, this is the other thing. This worm butt worm thing spends most of its time with a head in the sponge. And if <laughs> I had a serotonin releasing nerve endings ring in my butt, I would keep my head in the sponge most of the time too. <laughs> <laughs> the part of this study that really stuck out to me from let's let's say my peak of maturity was that I found out while reading this that the plural of anal openings is any as in like are you okay any no. or any which is it's because i assumed anuses or buttholes but then i thought like never have i been confronted by many buttholes at once and finding the correct grouping noun was my main worry <laughs> <laughs> like, like what what yeah what is a group of buttholes called is it like like you know like a murder of crows or something what's this? <laughs> <laughs> a gas field of yes there we go. Perfect, James. A gas field of buttholes. <laughs> I mean, moving on in our animals section, uh, mm. I mean, we could talk about branching buttholes all day, but uh, this is exciting science news uh, about cats. Cats previously considered completely chaotic creatures, incapable of reason uh, or order, have been found to be actually quite ordered indeed. They enjoy sitting in square shapes. Apparently, they like to, to sit in things that look like squares, in things that are squares, in things that are boxes, in things that are holes. Cats love a bit of that. And I feel like this introduction of order into the psychology of a cat really sort of confirms my, my thesis. Where, when a lot of people say that cats are shameless, I think cats feel only shame. <laughs> like me. And that's why they're so aloof. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> As Alison Spittle, as someone who feels only shame, uh, can you expound on this story? I'll tell you about the story, then I'll tell you my thesis on cats, right? Like, so these scientists have studied. They noticed that cats were going to 3D holes that are shaped square. So then they decided, why don't we make a 2D shaped square and see what a cat does? And the cat sat in this. Now, the, the person that did this study said that they were inspired by watching like a flatmate's cat who had uh, gone into a 2D square. I mean, how flat was this flatmate? I mm. hey! <laughs> And this is why I love doing this podcast. <laughs> but like, I think scientists should stop lying about how they're inspired uh, to do uh, studies and just say they got high and looked at memes on the internet. <laughs> like that is, I, I genuinely think like, scientists always do studies, but then they always have to say how they're inspired to do the studies. And no one ever says, you know what? I smoked a joint. I looked on Twitter, saw a cute cat. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta study this. So they're trying to say the cat likes, they like boxes, even shapes that are outlined on the floor. And I don't know how much more detail I can give you about this story because I read this and I was like, I don't know why scientists keep trying to figure out cats, right? Cats don't give a shit about you. They don't give a shit about anything you love. <laughs> they don't want anything to do with you. And you studying them seems needy. And you've no dignity when you study a cat. Do you know what you should study? A dog. A dog would be honoured by you studying it and its behaviour. It would love it because a dog's heart is true, right? And I think... Uh... Can you respect an animal that's been bred to be a sycophant? Alison Spittle. <laughs> Look, I don't respect a lot of things, but I like it, right? And like, <laughs> are you a cat person? You are a cat. Are you a cat person, Alice? I'm more of a person person. I, I have no preference between cats and dogs. I think there are some nice ones of each. I, I realise just... this is controversial. I don't prefer Melbourne over Sydney or vice versa. I think they both have their own good qualities and it depends what you're in the mood for. You know, so, sometimes you just want to sit and have a bit of a read and not be bothered. And sometimes you want to go for a happy run in the park. 
and uh, in that case you want to have uh, either a cat or a dog available to you Alice, I don't know what do you base your personality on if it's not hating cats <laughs> and loving cats because I've definitely based my personality on, on being ambivalent at best towards cats maybe it's because I'm allergic to them as well and the body and the mind is kind of combining and saying you don't want one your <laughs> you don't want that in your life but uh, yeah so the, the study the study for me I was very uninterested in it at the start because I felt like this was this was a study that was going to get results that nobody wanted, especially the cat. I think the cat's just f***ing with the scientists. I mean, the cat, <laughs> the cat doesn't care about the square. Doesn't 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 matter to the cat. They just they just want to waste scientific money and they've succeeded. And a dog wouldn't do that. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I think you're right. Like the firstly, uh, with your inspiration, I agree that this this of all studies has terrible inspiration. So you're right. They said they saw their housemate's cat after seeing a lecture on dogs falling for optical illusions. So firstly, I don't think that's inspiration. It's like if some if Pepsi was created because someone took a sip of Coke and was like, I just came up with a great idea for a drink. And <laughs> secondly, he's like, I want to hear a lot more about dogs falling for optical illusions because in my mind, that is a lecture where at the start, a scientist pretends to throw a ball and then for the rest of the hour, they just meticulously map out exactly where the dog thinks the ball has gone but this is this is very advanced science uh you would all know quantum duality was famously explained by uh, schrodinger through the analogy of the cat in the box but schrodinger himself never dared to ask why the cat was in the box in the first place which was a failure mm. of physics of psychiatry and mm. a failure of the animal welfare groups who really should have been keeping an eye on this whole situation <laughs> and it's not for small cats either that's the other part that fascinated me like this tigers like to be inside rectangles which is explains why you see them in cages at the zoo mm. and why they can often be found on cereal boxes which are famously rectangular and i'm sure across certain <laughs> things named after cats because my beloved hometown rugby league team is called the penrith panthers and they always stay in the field of play which is a rectangle but they never enter the winner's circle uh, i don't even know what that's in reference to but i think i do and i feel very clever <laughs> I'm like, I could be in Australia. I could hold a conversation. <laughs> Go Panthers. And that story is uh, thanks to A Quantum of Science, which is a brilliant Instagram account you should be following. Uh, I think, uh, James Colley, you're one of the researchers in that institute, aren't you? Mm, yes, I work on very important studies, which is the collation and uploading of the dumbest science headlines we ever find. <laughs> I think it's important because everyone thinks science is real smart. Even conspiracy mm -hmm. theorists think they're, they think they're too smart for their own good or they're trying to trick us. Uh, I think it's always good to have a counterbalancing uh, subject. Every industry has a media department and it's important that we remember that. You really are the placebo group for the Nobel Prize. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just found a subtitle. <laughs> your ad section now, because who else is going to carve footholds in the cliffside of your psychology for the creeping claws of anxiety and competitive capitalist resource relativism to take hold? <laughs> and a new novel is out by self-published romance maven and online bestseller Dancy Lagarde in this dimension. Bo -bo -bo -bo. The Earl of Bird's Reluctant Bride, a, a historical romance thriller mystery detective novel with a supernatural twist. 
Minton is the grief-stricken Earl, a third son never intended to attain the title, haunted by the ghost of his dead brothers who were murdered by a mad debutante. (laughs) <laughs> and trying desperately to balance his self-made career as a crime investigator with the new and throbbing needs of the massive bird estate and the social pressures of the marriage mart. Verity is an innocent young lady scarcely skirting scandal with her damnably egalitarian taste for helping fallen women trying to make her way in the brutal ballrooms of London. Fate brings them together over the body of a police officer who is investigating some thefts in a brothel, because why is it always got to be a sex worker body that's the MacGuffin for these bloody stories, am I right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> D- despite the presence of a dead body and some recent heavy trauma, their sudden connection makes itself felt in a passionate kiss and some tasteful overcorset nipple stimulation. <laughs> what? How does that even work? In the very lobby of the morgue, where their shockingly unchaperoned state of flagrante is discovered mid-autopsy by Duchess Bloggerton, society's biggest gossip, who is passing through the morgue for reasons the plot has no interest in. (laughs) 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 Will Minton be able to overcome his fear of innocent young women and cope with having one as a wife? Will Verity be able to reconcile her urge for independence with her need to help Minton solve the terrible string of police murders by the mysterious madwoman the newspapers are calling horrible lady murderer? (laughs) (laughs) will their flaming passion distract them at the most inconvenient moments like on a boat during a ball while trapped in the darkness of an underground labyrinth during a chase scene yes but find out how in the earl of birds reluctant bride available now everywhere bad books are sold oh i need to i need to cool down after listening to that (laughs) do you have too many subscription services Wondering how to escape the stranglehold of regular deliveries, whether it's emails, perfumes, or monthly sample platters of goat milk products. Try Hello Goodbye, the new subscription-ending subscription service where every month delivers you a locally sourced thug who will stand over you while you go through the gruelling process of unsubscribing from all of your (laughs) subscription services while giving you useful information about consumer law. Upgrade to our luxury service, Good Day Farewell, which will do the same thing, but more classy, and probably to your secretary. Hello, goodbye. Don't worry, we've already signed you up. (laughs) (laughs) Terms and conditions apply. In order to unsubscribe from Hello, goodbye, you need to get a second subscription and make the two freshly delivered artisanal thugs fight to the death in your front garden for the right to be the one that remains. Does that mean you still have a subscription? Whoever wins, find out now by signing up online. (laughs) 
it's time for your second section, your environment section. Deeply depressing news now. Uh, The news that active radioactivity is more hospitable to animal life than the presence of human habitation. James Colley, you're known for having meltdowns. Can you give us (laughs) the download on this story? (laughs) I'm going to melt down about that later. But yeah, no, this is is really interesting. So it's it's declaring uh, Chernobyl an environmental success, which is the kind of lie I tell when I'm trying to get my bond back. Like, no, no, that's not a (laughs) nail hole in the wall. It's a form of acupuncture that helps the house relax and breathe. And this is a tribute to looking on the bright side of life, the side so bright that it's glowing and that you really shouldn't be within 100 kilometers of it or you'll be dead before you finish whistling the chorus. But the metrics by which they have called this a success are incredible. One of those metrics, if I may quote, is wolves have increased by sevenfold. So don't worry, people. You thought this area was a disaster zone. Well, shows what you know. It's actually overrun by radioactive wolves. This might be a clue for the rest of us. Embrace nature and embrace nuclear. They don't have to be one or the other. Go for a hike wearing radioactive wear. Or if you're a more peaceful type, go fishing. I mean, is this just another way of selling nuclear as green energy? <laughs> yeah, bright, bright green energy. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm very excited though about all these, uh, all these radioactive animals. Like, I would really like to see an elk stop a mugging the way that superheroes do. You know what I mean? I'd love to see these animals kind of fight crime. Also, like, it is so strange. They've made Chernobyl into uh, an environmental success story. Um, well, that's good. Here's a solution to another environmental problem we have now. Why don't we nuke the Amazon? Like if we nuke the Amazon, I feel like it would make stuff go back to normal and we would have, you know, like the way they're treating this as an environmental success. I think we really should nuke the Amazon. Like it should be an option on the table. <laughs> I feel they're, they're destroying it anyway. Let's nuke it. Let's nuke it. Oh, this is the other thing. They also say that there's a uh, barley and wheat growing as well uh, around this area. And I think we could raise money by making um, like a like a, a vodka that's been distilled seven times. It's very expensive. And we could call the vodka because it's radioactive. It's made from radioactive um, grains and it's a vodka and it's very expensive. We could call it toxic masculinity, the drink. And it would be fantastic. <laughs> We'd make so much money and we probably kill a few people that wear fedoras. Like, I feel like it's a win win. In, a, in in that situation but i do feel like if like a, a drink made out of nuclear nuclear hops would be, would sell very well and it would be the worst of the worst that would drink it you know they'd, they'd feel that they could they could handle that and let them let them handle it which brings me to our next section the pull out radioactive mutant animal quiz now which of these four major made-up mutant animals would you be an owl woe? Like an owl and a palindrome had a horrible accident, an owl woe is like an owl, but more so and in the opposite direction as well. Everything about an owl that's upsetting, but also 180 degrees the other way round. <laughs> when you said everything about an owl that's upsetting, I was like, everything. <laughs> 
Or are you a horsepotamus? Smug classic students have often told you that hippopotamus means water or horse. Boy, would they scream as loudly as you when they see this horrifying hybrid of equine, water and actual mouse. It's 140% water, 30% patches of hair and 62% screams. Or would you be a spider rabbit? All the cuteness of a rabbit, all the eggs and fangs of a spider. And the fourth one, which you don't see coming. Find out now by doing our pull-out section radioactive mutant animal quiz today. I would go for spider rabbit just for, you know, just for clarity. <laughs> owl woe all the way, really? which in my head is just an owl at both sides that if it turns, if like there's a noise to the left and right at the same time, it just splits in two. Could you, could you imagine our school kids back in the 90s used to get a lot of school photos with holding owls? I'd love to see it with an owl, an owl wound. The casualties, like, well, it's sort of like it. You know how it's got an, an owl on top, but it's also an owl on the bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds like quite a difficult life for this owl. <laughs> I suppose you didn't say it was going to be easy, Alice. Did you? <laughs> Life's not easy. Uh, which brings us to our reviews section. Uh, where you bring in something to review each of you out of five stars. James Colley, what have you brought in for us? Well, you know I love to stay on the top of pop culture news. So this is a shout out to the later seasons of MASH. I've been watching the later seasons of MASH lately because my wife has been out of town and while the cat's away, the mice will lie on the couch, miss their partner, watch hours of mindless television and wonder why this metaphor has a predator-prey relationship. That's right, the later season of MASH. The real MASH heads know what I'm talking about. Potter, Winchester, BJ has a moustache. They've abandoned the concept of time because the show has been running twice as long as the war. Now, you will have heard that it's incredibly maudlin and self-serious and that's true, but what they don't tell you is at the same time they've run out of ideas for the normal storylines so you'll have the point of view of a wounded soldier struggling to survive the horrors of war followed up by radar learns the trombone followed up by the endless (laughs) agony of the impossible choices of a 30-hour meatball surgery shift followed by the old colonel gets horny are you watching terrestrial tv in australia at about 3 30 p.m on any given network at any given day then check out the later seasons of mash (laughs) out of five five stars five star general (laughs) Alison what have you brought in for us so I've decided to review uh, putting batteries in your mouth Uh, this is my review (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's a bit different to mash but it was a childhood (laughs) it was a childhood pastime of mine Uh, I I, I stopped doing it (laughs) Pastime implies almost a schedule. <laughs> it would have been, Alice. It would have been. I just I just really liked the feeling of batteries in my mouth when I was younger. And I used to like rolling them around uh, the back of my gums. And then I forgot once I had a battery in my mouth and just chewed. And uh, a lot of acid went into my mouth and I spat it out. And uh, that that was the last the last time since I was a child that I put batteries in my mouth. But um, in preparation for this podcast, I realized five minutes before the podcast, I hadn't thought of anything to review. And I saw a battery on the table, popped it in my mouth and uh, thought I would describe the feeling for you now. <laughs> please, please. Please do. <laughs> So I mean, you could have just remembered, <laughs> but go right ahead. I know. No, you need 
the short, sharp energy burst that only comes from having a battery in your mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to let down Alice. I'm not going to go in half hours. Like, so, so, this is like a romantic gesture in like one of those uh, rom-com films where the guy just does something that the lady really didn't ask for. Definitely. This and is yet, my- you've won my heart. Opens the back of the boombox, takes a D battery out. <laughs> John Cusack chews on it while his face just stays still. Um, yeah, this is my version of running through an airport for you, Alice. <laughs> the Raiders of the Lost Ark meets John Cusack that we've all wanted. <laughs> the face melting joke. <laughs> so the first feeling of putting the battery in my mouth, nostalgia. I felt eight years old again like I took it out of the back of a Furby. <laughs> with my lifeless Furby looking at me while I eat its life force. That's what I said. <laughs> then uh, I remembered, since being an adult, I have feelings, right? That I didn't have when I was a child. <laughs> and what can only be described as a massive shooting pain going around the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I mean, talk about a comedy circuit. I know. Um, <laughs> and as I went to spit it out, my tongue hit the back of the battery where the power goes in and a little buzz hit me. And I spat it out and I said to myself, I must never tell anyone about this. But then I remembered I did it for a review. So I am telling you. So, so all in all, I'm giving it three out of five. Uh, three out of five. Uh, uh, five for nostalgia, but minus two for pain and uh, danger. So that's my that's my review. <laughs> oh, I mean, Alison Spittle, that leads us on to our next section, which is our science <laughs> section. Uh, your self-experimentation has gone uh, celebrated and applauded. Let it not be lost to the tides of history. Um, if I don't see some fan art depicting you <laughs> licking a battery, I will be deeply disappointed in our audience. If the audience wants um, to know it's a double A, just for scale, if they want to do that, they can. <laughs> uh, now it's time for our science section. Uh, in Italy, a land run by passion and art, everyone seems to have forgotten the science part of vaccination because a lady was given six times too much Pfizer vaccine. This is an incredible story. Mm. I'm distracted from the meat of the story by the fact that, obviously, in the last post-universe, uh, Italy is run by the Wiggles government. And I met Murray from the original Wiggles the other night after a show, and it was extremely hard for me not to tell him about the alternate universe in which he rules Italy. <laughs> You said it with your eyes. He, he knows. I recognised him and then he introduced himself and said, I'm Murray. And then he went, I was in the Wiggles. And I went, I wasn't allowed to watch television as though I didn't recognise him, which I absolutely did. That's an incredible power play to make a Wiggle name themselves and mm. then say, haven't heard of you. That's unbelievable. <laughs> you should get a skivvy I for that. I haven't heard of you, but I've been writing fan fiction about you for a year. <laughs> Now, there's a rom-com. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Back to the jab story. Uh, James Colley, you have mm-hmm. uh, watched The Wiggles before. Tell us about this <laughs> Pfizer vaccine situation. James Colley, you're a prick. Let's go through this. <laughs> well, first, 
Personally, I'm jealous. Uh, our vaccine rollout for Alice and I has been quite botched here. While this woman has been given so much vaccine, she's basically a wanton filled with COVID-crushing soup. <laughs> you'd, you'd just feel immortal, wouldn't you? You'd walk down the street licking every pole you pass, daring strangers to spit in your mouth. We did have a similar case in Queensland in Australia where two people were given four doses each. And that is four doses Far too many, but is also the amount in one vial. So at least it's an understandable mistake. Whereas here, if it's the same kind of vial, I only have to assume what's happened is they've taken an entire vial, put it in her, <laughs> then decide to top her up with half of another vial, like when you're filling your car with petrol and it's pretty full, but you just want to hit a nice round number. <laughs> the poor victim here is a 23-year-old medical trainee and the shot was administered by a nurse. And I think if that happens, the two have to swap roles. It's like if you spot a <laughs> cop doing a crime, you should be allowed to arrest them, which is a rule that America and Australia have a very hard time understanding. <laughs> I feel like this is the equivalent of, uh, you know, sometimes you go to McDonald's and you order McNuggets and it's, you know, six pack, but you get seven and you're like, oh, <laughs> this is the opposite to that. This is very bad to get seven doses <laughs> to get over. Like, I feel like if you were if you were to die of an overdose of COVID vaccine, that feels like the most 2021 death ever. Like it is a death that like makes up the whole year. And um, she's okay and everything like that, but it does feel like the nurse was just trying to give her COVID. You know what I mean? Because how much inoculation does it add up to actually giving you the disease? James, sorry to disappoint you, but it was a six vial, a six dose vial, uh, because they have their vials oh. bigger in in Italy. They got one of those extra large vials. Yeah, it's like those big tanks of olive oil. <laughs> It's like, you know, the way you see the Italians, like we have normal, not normal, but we have like glass bottles of olive oil and they have like petrol tanks full of olive oil. They just do it bigger in Italy. My friend Emma Gatti, <laughs> who's a volcanologist, uh, a volcano studier, who's currently working on Mars. Of course you have a friend that's a volcanologist. Sorry yes. to interrupt, but that feels like the most Alice Fraser friend. Technically, they're called Vulcans. <laughs> Live long and prosper. She said that uh, the Italians were bemused when we had a run on toilet paper because they had a run on olive oil. And I said, uh, she was on my podcast tea with Alice, and I said, why do you think that is? And she said, well, we're more interested in what goes in than what comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. We've done too much butt stuff already. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> you've got enough olive oil there's no such thing as <laughs> I'm so happy you said that <laughs> family show yeah. alright family glossy magazine now we're up to the final section for this edition of the gargle this is our real estate section classically towards the end of the magazine looking through things that you can't afford and here maybe something you can afford the landowners of the eruption site of the volcano in fagradas fial is that right i buy it i mean the points for attempting it yeah. was beautiful because you could have ridden around it but that's not the alice fraser way you go right <laughs> at the teeth of that impossible name <laughs> The landowners of Fagradalsfjall state that the land is now for sale. The land on which there is currently right now an active volcano is for sale 
get it while it's hot, say a thousand headlines written by underpaid journalists having to do the job of copy editors because traditional media is on its deathbed. Stop trying to compete with the internet, traditional media. Your point of difference is fact-checking and resource deployment, not speed and clickbait. If you try to wrestle with the internet over speed and sassy headlines, you will lose and the pig will like it. James, will you buy some volcano land? Of course I will. This is a brilliant investment. Volcanoes invent land. It's like buying the treasury department if the treasury had to kill you to perform its function correctly, which it kind of does, but in a slower, less dramatic way. And it looks great on a write-up as well. Riverside views? What is it a river of? Never you mind. The only thing I was worried about was... Do you think this is what happened to the people of Pompeii? Because all this time I'd been feeling bad for them. But what if it turns out they're property investors and that Pompeii is their holiday house as they rent out a one-bedroom apartment in Athens to nine students at a time? Which would make sense because what I know of the people frozen in time in Pompeii, at least one of them was a massive wanker. (laughs) Yeah, I I was thinking that if I I did buy a house where a volcano was, I would just have, like, you know, and and a volcano was going, I didn't have time. I would just have a massive wank and hope for the best. Like, I'd be like, at least I'll leave something behind. You know, if you're going to die in a volcano... Uh, thing confuse people that's my that's my thing the thing about ancient history is that it's more romantic right than modern history because modern history is (laughs) more graphic and recent but of course Pompeii you feel sad for all of those people because you can see the shapes of them in in the in the ashes and the dust but on the other hand most people in history were racists so (laughs) (laughs) it's an undeniable fact are you trying to cancel the people of Pompeii you're going through their tweets I mean, don't buy there. Uh, this story was sent in by Carrie Tullinius, by the way, Catullus Cat- on Twitter. If you have a story, uh, do send us in to us at Hello Gargles on Twitter. Sorry, carry on, James. Oh, no, it's just that, like the people of Pompeii should not be buying there. Like, frankly, it is a town most famous for the disastrous eruption of Pompeii. Yeah, that should trigger immediately. If if I hear the word Pompeii, I think volcano gonna erupt. It would be ridiculous to buy a property there. So I suppose I've reversed my position and I am turning down this impossible to pronounce island. You really are the Alwo of real estate. <laughs> <laughs> it must be very cheap land, but like uh, I'd say it would be very expensive to insure. Like I'm sure if you were trying to go to an insurance broker and you were like, I'm building a house on a volcano. You know, I'm, can I say, yeah, I'm moving out of a house now and getting rid of your crap is really hard. And the idea that you have a volcano in your backyard that like I love that Americans have that garbage disposal thing as a shame hole in their house that you can put anything in. Imagine <laughs> yeah. having a volcano. I could finally Marie Kondo the hell out of my life. <laughs> well, I would I would definitely like to keep tabs on whoever does buy this uh, volcano, because as we've seen from films, uh, people that buy volcanic layers. <laughs> They're they're bad people. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they never cross to the charity and orphanage they've set up in the pit of the volcano. No, no, like and and a layer as well normally indicates bad things. Like it's never like you know. <laughs> nice people don't live in layers. It's a big thing. <laughs> That brings us to the end of today's edition of The Gargle. We're flipping through the ads section at the back of the newspaper. There's an ad for slightly used floral curtains in a 60s style that might inspire you to do anything. Who knows? There's also an ad for a sprinkler system. 
uh, that they will install in the night while you're not watching and you'll only know that it exists when you accidentally step on it and it sprays you in your vulnerable places in the middle of the night. Now, James, have you got anything to plug? Well, I think the best way, aside from my sprinkler system that I'd love for you to pick up, would be uh, to plug I'm on Twitter at Jam Collie or um, A Quantum of Science on, on Instagram, which I have never plugged in my life. And it is such a wonderful thing to actually push that that I just do for fun because it's the silliest use of my time. And it makes me happy literally every day. So I'm uh, delighted to provide a platform for you to present that. And uh, we'll flip through a few more ads. A swimming pool. I think you have to go and collect it yourself. Uh, but it's half price, so that's convenient. And uh, Alison Spittle, have you got anything to plug? Yeah, my Twitter and Instagram is at Alison Spittle. I have a podcast with Fern Brady called uh, Wheel of Misfortune, which you can find on BBC Sounds. And because I'm on with two Australians, I'm going to promote uh, my TV show, which is on Stan Australia, and it's called Nowhere Fast. And it's literally, that's the only place you can find it in the world. It was made about three years ago, and uh, it's there. So might as well. And I think it's on some British Airways flights, so very exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called Nowhere Fast, and you can check it out there. I'm going to watch it and then I'm going to fly to where you are (laughs) watching it again to tell you how good it is. (laughs) That brings us to the end of today's edition of The Gargle. Your editor for today is Ped Hunter. The executive producer is Christopher Skinner. This is an Alice Fraser and the Bugle Podcasts production. I'll talk to you again next week. You can listen to other programmes from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post, Tiny Revolutions and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalised card from Moonpig. Add your favourite photos, a heartfelt message and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.